Welcome to the Champions of Change, the Movement for Modern Life podcast. I'm Kat Farrance, founder of Movement for Modern Life, known as the Netflix of yoga. In this podcast, I'm exploring the ways and speaking to the people who can help us all to move freely towards a happy, healthy, and sustainable life. We're taking yoga off the mat. We're meeting teachers, experts, and those who can inspire us in a variety of different fields. And we'll find out how we can all be champions of our own change. I really do hope you enjoy and do head over to movementformodernlife.com to check out our classes with our incredible range of teachers and find out more about our community. Hi, I'm Kat Farrance and I'm founder of Movement for Modern Life. And today on the podcast, I am introducing a wonderful champion of change who really does live her yoga off the mat. She's one of the leading lights on yoga philosophy and how we can weave the philosophy of yoga into our classes, but also into our everyday lives. And this is right up my street. And her name is Zephyr Wildman. And we do have a wild conversation all about life, death, how transformation happens, how um, we can affect things in our lives. And it's just a really beautiful whistle-stop tour if you've ever wondered what yoga has got to do with change, how we can navigate through the changes of life with our yoga practice, and what the yoga philosophy background is that gives us these amazing tools to navigate through the ups and downs, the highs, lows, the letting goes, the movings on, the all that life is really about. And I really, really hope you enjoy this conversation with Zephyr. I am so happy to be here with you, Kat. Yeah. No, thank you for having me on here. <laughs> oh, well, what I wanted to... Well, first of all, Zephyr, let's... um. Let, let's just talk about how how yoga has got into your got, got under your skin because you have been a practitioner now for a, a good few decades, right? Mm, mm. I mainly came to yoga um, to fix my body. That was my intention because mm. I was really broken. I wasn't able to walk properly, and I was really young. I was nineteen years old and facing a hypermobility issue that affected my bones and. Mm. I uh, wasn't able walk, to walk and a little voice went to, um, came into my head and just said, get back to yoga. And no surgeon could sort me out and no drugs could take the pain away. But uh, over perseverance of showing up um, on a daily practice, I was able to start to have space between um, leg spasms, uh, chronic pain. And I started seeing at the same time um, not just the physical healing, but there was an opening into the emotional, the mental, um, the past healing, the present healing, and opening me to a more spirited way of being, um, which I, that's kind of what kind of really drew me deeper into it. I don't think yoga, you can't get yoga, it gets you. And oh, yeah. You go like, oh yeah, yoga. Uh, yeah, I hear that's supposed to be really good. And I tried a few classes, but until you have your own little awakening in it, um, mm -hmm. it touches you, it opens something into you, then you start to see how it works with you and mm -hmm. works for you. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. I love that description. That's amazing. Mm. And I know, I know it'll resonate with loads of us because it feels like it's just like a little form of magic, really. Um, doesn't it? it just kind of gets under your skin. And then once it's there and mm. then you have the, the calling to start teaching as well, which mm. is well, and so many of us are I guess. I guess it's like intrinsic in me. My mom was a teacher. She was a yoga teacher, but then uh, aerobics instructor. And then she had a massage school she had for many years that I grew up with. And so I saw my mom as a teacher and mm. um, I myself slipped into that role really easily that I could share something that I, I had a personal relationship that I really wholeheartedly believed in, felt, and then could mm. be able to inspire and express the different tools and techniques, not just asana, but the deeper meaning of why we practice yoga to support people going through change, going through hardship, mm -hmm. going through challenge, going and celebrating the beauty of life. Even it doesn't have mm -hmm. to always be a burden. It doesn't have to always be suffering. It can be actually really breathing in the natural joy of being alive in this body, in this unique time and place. Mm, that's that's so beautiful and you're absolutely right although you know yoga is such a useful tool for going through tough times it's actually the mm. daily basis it's the daily magic it brings that extra sparkle into everyday mm. life really mm. doesn't it mm. and something that you've um, done for movement for modern life which i'm so grateful for because gosh i know what a labor of love and what a lot of work it was it was the transformation course that you filmed for us so it's yeah. a 30-day course in uh, well, in helping people to transform mm. through yoga practice. Yeah. Now, first of all, would you be able to just just tell me a little bit about what it what is it about yoga and transformation? How is it that yoga helps? You think? So, in the Yoga Sutras, um, uh, there's there's a process in which we have um, uh, seven stages of yoga to get to transformation. So the first fold is self-awareness. What yoga does is that as you sit on the mat on a daily basis, on a practice mm -hmm. that you com committed, what it does is it gets you to become more self-aware, become mm -hmm. more wakeful or mindful yeah. is the kind of term is. And from that kind of um, awareness of observing, of being able to self-reflect, of kind of going, how am I occupying this body right now? Where am I feeling? Where where do I need to take care of myself? What kind of mental neuroses am I recycling? Is it serving me? Is it pulling me farther away? What emotion needs to be expressed in, in my practice right now? What do I need to let go of? What do I need more of? So that idea of becoming more wakeful is the mm -hmm. first fold in the process of self self-transformation. Then there's this self-understanding of starting to have greater sense of self-knowledge. You start to wake up to um, how you react to a forward bend or a back bend or mm -hmm. how you react to your life in practice. So if you've had an mm -hmm. argument right before, or if you are, are dealing with grief, all of a sudden you start to see that when you have something in life that butts up against you, you have a normal reaction. And mm -hmm. what, what yoga does is it slows it down and creates a little buffer space between you and the reaction. You learn how to, to respond, bespoke your practices. You know, today I need 
forward bends today. I need back bends today. I need to be more still and more nurturing today. I need to have an active practice today. I need to focus on the breath today. I need more of that spiritual support. So we start to be able to kind of understand ourselves and we, we gain more self-knowledge. So that's the second fold. The third fold is self-acceptance. We accept ourselves just as our, as we are. We start to accept this is how it is today. Um, we accept the relationships that are unfolding right now. We accept, you know, the current climate of political stuff. There's mm-hmm. a certain amount of acceptance in the moment and knowing what um, we have control over and what we're powerless over. And so with that sense of surrendering into our practice, we become quiet enough, still enough to be able to listen in. And that goes into the fourth fold, which is becoming more um, self-disciplined. In this Mm -hmm. way of starting to see that, like you said, if you practice every day, there's a little bit of magic. In that little bit of magic, yoga is an artistic expression of whatever's going on in your life. Mm -hmm. Whether you feel lots of feelings, whether you feel quite numb or disassociated, we start to awaken to it gain more self-knowledge. We have a sense of surrendering to it, but there's a daily practice in mind, body, and breath. As we um, awaken to it, all of a sudden, the um, fifth fold is that you become more self-actualized. You become more self-realized. You start to realize not just who you are, but what you are. And there's a difference between the labels that we give ourselves, like, you know, you're a cat and I'm Zephyr, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you have dogs. I have one dog, <laughs> you know, like we start to, we start to label ourselves in a mm-hmm. limiting belief system. And we kind of only think that's who we are, but actually right. what we are. So when we get quiet enough and have this intimate practice, we become awakened to what is beyond the Zephyr label. Mm-hmm. And then that opens us to the sense of transcending the very, um, our transcending old patterns, transcending mm-hmm. old, um, ways of believing our opinions, our false belief systems. And mm-hmm. we start to, uh, then the last one is transform. So mm-hmm. it's in a way is, is that this sevenfold process is a nurturing way to be able to accept this human form, that we are spiritual mm-hmm. beings having a human experience, but we're also human beings having a spiritual experience. So there's the sense of having this unity as yoga is defined as this kind of intimate relationship between the body, the energy body, the mind, the wisdom body, the soul, the spirit, that sense of feeling whole, one, and complete. But in this lifetime, we come with a handful of issues and Mm -hmm. challenges. And so we need blueprints or we need maps to get ourselves into that state of serenity and that state of wholeness and that state of um, clarity. And so Mm -hmm. this from the yoga sutras is that sense of that sevenfold process, but, but mainly we're going to be in the the first four. We're constantly kind of going in for Mm self-awareness, um, self, um, understanding, self-acceptance, and then discipline. And then Mm -hmm. through dedicated practices, the other folds start to unveil and we start to see that our life starts to transform the way that we relate to ourselves, to other people, to our work, to our community, to, you know, that which is beyond, we relate Mm -hmm. to it differently. And we respond from a place of wholehearted connection rather Mm -hmm. than fear, rather than, um, 
um, anger, whether rather than judgment, rather than resistance. It's that sense of awakening to that reaction and learning how to respond to it in more of a kind of wholehearted, compassionate, loving, kind way. Wow. I mean, that's, a, that, that's the synopsis. That's the, um, that's the ideal. That's where we're all heading. And yeah. what I love about that is that it leads us to this place of clarity from, from a sense of who you are. It's not like a sort of self-help handbook, which is, oh, you can become this person because mm. this process isn't about us becoming more like Zephyr, mm. um, much as we might want to you know, become more bendy and grow the length of our legs and become more serene, but, but it's never going to happen. That's the thing. We have yeah. to become more ourselves. We don't yeah, have we, a, and we accept our, yeah. And accept <laughs> our limitations, you know, accept, you mm. know, our stuff and, and, yeah. and, you know, stop glamorizing the kind of compare and despair. It's hard because you do see yeah. flexible, genetically gifted yes. yogis on Instagram. On Can I just stop there? Genetically mm-hmm. gifted. Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That's such a lovely way of saying it, Seth. That's yeah. Beautiful. I was doing this yoga pose today, which was a standing back bend, mm-hmm. and you're on one foot grabbing and and then I said, you know, it's very similar to the one we did on the floor and I did it in full splits. And right. I said, please don't confuse that. Mm-hmm. I can do this, but I'm not in enlightenment retirement. I am not, um, an awakened being. I am still human. I'm just genetically gifted. I'm actually a forward bender. I'm not a back bender. And so I do see people who have these amazing back bends and they see, seem so free. And I, there's still a part of me that kind of goes, if I practice hard enough, I'll feel that too. But actually what the work is, is just working with, you know, like I have so many clients who can't even touch their toes, but they feel the residue of the practice just as much as I can. And I can touch my toes. So actually I find people who have greater limitations, physical limitations feel Mm. a lot quicker. Whereas I have hypermobility and I have to work so hard to get that sensation. So I actually, I don't get that sensation anymore because I don't feel the stretching, but what I do is I can work on other deeper things, which means I have to work with the mental and emotional aspects of embodying where they're just Mm. kind of trying to get over the fact that their hamstrings screaming at them. So I just don't want people to glamorize this genetically gifted, you know, generation. A lot of them are ex dancers and gymnasts who are performing this. So it's really hard because there's a part of us that, that will tap into that compare and mm-hmm. despair and culture Absolutely. does that to us so to just yeah. really celebrate your body and whatever limitations you have oh that's so beautiful because <laughs> you know especially when we're looking at the videos of you or we're seeing you in person you know you're such a glamorous gorgeous person and you're you able hear to achieve on all your of the recent shows. ones on your recent <laughs> ones I just came back from um, a yoga retreat and on those videos, if you can hear me, I'm catching my breath. I'm like huffing and puffing. I was like, I spent, so I went on a yoga retreat and then I went on a cycling yoga holiday with my family and just ate, ate pretzels. I was in Germany cycling around a mountain, drinking beer. And I came back and I was like, (gasps) (gasps) and now you know how it feels to be out Oh yeah. Yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm a whole human being. I kind of, yeah, I'm still real. So, 
Oh, that's yeah. wicked. Okay. But no, I get it. We're not going to, because it is easy to see the images and especially yeah. with Instagram and especially now all that we can see of each other, our images are an external look of whatever each other chooses to portray, which mm. often is, you know, something that looks like it must feel amazing on the inside, but perhaps, you know, it just looks pretty amazing on the outside, but on the inside, it's just as grotty as the mud that we're all sort of trying yeah. to deal with. I don't know. Yeah. And actually, <laughs> to be honest, there has been a huge rise of injuries and ailments because of this mm. objectifying asana. And there's a lot of spinal stenosis, which is narrowing of the spinal cord, spondylolisthesis, which is a fracturing of the spine because of oh hyperextending and weakening of the recti spinae muscles that stabilize the court spinal stabilizers. Wow. So there's, and then, you know, problems of hyperextending of the cervical spine and strokes and Horner's syndrome where they, it's almost like a stroke in the face. There's tinnitus, vertigo, chronic headaches. Uh, Like people just um, are are starting, it's unfolding. And there's Mm -hmm. a great book called The Science of Yoga by William Broad. I think Mm -hmm. every yogi needs to listen to it and then start to use critical thinking. You know, Mm. what feels good? If it doesn't Mm. feel good, if you're if it's not working for you, there should be other options mm. for you. Um, yeah. And listen to your own inner teacher. I think we as teachers can guide mm. you and create the space to support you to be who mm. you are and learn what you need to learn. But we can't jump mm. into your skin and tell you how you feel. And that's where we go deep in that self-understanding, self-knowledge of empowering your inner teacher to know if this resonates for you and if this mm. is a sustainable practice. So I like mm. what you do on Movement for Modern Life because the the videos and the teachers that I've seen you create sustainable practices, practices that everybody can do. It's not just the Mm. handstands and the backdrops, and it's not just the contortionists. You offer so much for the sustainable experience as we're aging. Well, that's what I'm all about because, Mm. I mean, my yoga practice right now is so different to how it used to be. And I'm about very gentle yoga, especially at this time of year. Mm. You know, I just do a lot of restorative, a lot of very long holds, a lot of, um, yeah, just, just feeling more comfortable in myself. And, um, it's quite nice because I've sort of let go of what it is to have an external kind of look about things. And that's, I suppose, one advantage of practicing yoga at home is that you don't compare yourself to anyone else because there's nobody else to compare yourself to. Whereas in class, I'd probably be, I'd probably do be doing a little bit more of a stretch and I'd be a little bit more like, "Mm, let's eke myself into this shape. But, Mm. um, yeah, no, that's, that, that is one advantage. And I'm really glad that you've seen that it's sustainable. Um, because that is what we're about. We're about a practice for every day of your life. You know, sometimes it's just a breathing practice or a sitting Mm. practice and it doesn't have to be a moving practice. Um, and again, that's on, cause your, your challenge, your transformation challenge, I'm going to go back to it, but (laughs) it is, um, it incorporates yoga nidra. It incorporates Mm -hmm. meditation. It incorporates non-moving classes as well as some quite tough vinyasa classes in between. Yeah. (laughs) And And that's where it's like, it gives you, it gives you more tools because if you just, you know, if you just did one routine all the time, it's a way of kind of putting one tool and going, I understand today I'm going to need this. And tomorrow Mm -hmm. you wake up and you're something different. So through the 30 days, I gave 15, 20 minute practices with a Mm -hmm. philosophical, psychological kind of preamble. But then 
with it, you can go back and like tag your favorites and kind of log Mm. what works really well when I'm this composite and when I need some support in this way, or I really need to move today, or I really need to, you know, be more still and hold poses for longer. So hopefully it's a digestible practice that doesn't take up too much time, but you're able to really um, benefit from the sequencing and the kind of preamble to inspire you and what you need for that day. Yeah, I, I think so. I think definitely. I mean, I know that it's it's really been very meaningful. I've had people contacting me saying that, you know, they did an online yoga course that, you know, it's not like one of these courses that thousands of pounds and you think, God, the world's going to wear ends when I do this because this is going to be amazing. You know, it's just free on Movement for Modern Life. It's just a thing. Um, but people have said, well, I didn't expect to see anything, but actually they really did experience some amazing changes in their lives. And I think the experiences, because people become more aware of what's actually occurring. And when you become more aware, you can sort of have a greater clarity about the opportunities that are presenting themselves. And Mm. is this time to move on? Is this time to let go? Is Mm. this, because sometimes life can be like just a hurly burly of opportunities and we think, oh, I'm just too busy. I can't deal. Mm. And so we let things go. And another time we're quiet. So we say yes, but it might not be the right thing for who we are. But when we're able to kind of come from a space of more clarity, it's amazing how, um, how the right opportunities. I would, I would really recommend, and I did this in this Mm -hmm. 30 day transformation, but Mm -hmm. I also would just always recommend any of the videos that anybody practices with right before get quiet Mm -hmm. enough and ask Mm -hmm. yourself, you know, what is my intention of practicing today? What do I care about? What, what, Mm. what matters to me most? What brings me joy? What do I need? So like from this practice, I need clarity from this practice. I need strength, courage, Mm -hmm. maybe inspiration, self-care, maybe self-forgiveness, maybe Mm self-acceptance, compassion, um, love, belonging, Mm -hmm. feeling safe, trusting, use a word and then reinforce it every time your mind wanders or gives you a judgmental or critical kind of commentary, or you find yourself resisting and kind of, Oh, I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. Remember why you're practicing and then continue to reinforce that, um, that intention and that practice off of your mat. So you take your yoga with you. And so in moments of like, you catch yourself, Oh, I'm here now reinforce that prayer of intention that you set in the morning. And, and then by the end of the day, you realize that you're a sum total of all your choices that, that, you had more moments of wakefulness, more more moments of mindfulness, more moments of connecting to your practice that you did in the the morning. And, or if you have that in the evening and you practice Mm -hmm. after work um, and in the evening, set that intention. So when you go to sleep, your brain unconsciously really absorbs the residue of your practice. And in the morning Mm -hmm. when you wake up and if you have your cup of tea and if you're not practicing, just spend five minutes doing the same thing of reconnecting to your intention Mm -hmm. and have that follow through. And that in a way is a complete transformation because you're Mm -hmm. really implementing listening, integrating that yogic experience, having that intimate relationship of valuing yourself, of taking care of yourself and to be, um, a better, well, a more radiant you to go out and be Mm. a member of the community. Yeah, that's so great. And that's so true because in a sense, 
you know, there's no point in doing this yoga because, as you say, the hamstrings aren't going to give you your enlightenment. Mm -hmm. So what is it unless you're going to take that off the mat and into your everyday life and unless you're going to make those decisions, ones which are the sum total of your intention? That's, again, a really smart way of being able to frame life. I mean, every every day we could do that, every morning, every evening, and frame the intentions to have the clarity to move with that sense of joy, purpose, courage, whatever quality it is that you're feeling in that day. And mm. that that's the thing that makes these practices really, really um, work. But the interesting thing is because, I mean, I'm naturally a more intellectually type person. I sort of put things in my head and I'll be like, yes, I understand that, da, da, da. But of course, what we're doing here is we're putting it into our body. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it so different to, you know, just reading a book, which, you know, is great. Like, oh, let's read The Power mm. of Now about doing intention and then going ahead and doing that. That's great. That's one approach. But by doing a yoga practice, we're sort of sealing it in in one way. Mm-hmm. How does that work? How does that work? Well, I think yogis figure it out. If you want to change your psychology, you change your physiology. And that sense that that we're not trying to bypass this human experience. We're not Mm. trying to emotionally, mentally, or spiritually bypass. Yoga is about an embodied experience. And that's what I was saying is Gork Forstein did a really nice condensed definition of yoga, that yoga is the art and science of disciplining your body, mind, and breath. That yoga is an art, it's an artistic Mm -hmm. expression to really fully feel it. And as the sutras say that um, in Sutra 2.47 is that you, you effortlessly meditate on something specific, becoming more effortless. And so there's like five areas of like where you can place your, your attention to first one is your breath awareness. And so as you focus on your body breathing, the inflow, the outflow, how it's manifesting. And so in the transformation, I did a series Mm -hmm. on the prana values, the directions of energy of prana. So you watch your um, breath. Then Mm -hmm. the next one is sensation. So you effortlessly meditate on sensation and practice and you mm. feel the feelings and a lot of the t- a lot of you know our issues around addiction or overworking or over shopping or mm. avoiding life mm-hmm. is because we don't want to feel our feelings we don't want to feel these sensations they're too much so yoga gives us more of this ability to self-regulate when we have strong feelings that so yoga is this artistic expression of feeling very strong feelings and and then that sense that it's a science because it benefits each one of us, but because we're a composite of different doshas and we're all different people, it benefits us differently. So, you know, backbending will um, be different to your nervous system than mine and forward bending is going to be different to your nervous system than mine. And so the benefits, but it is a disciplined practice. And that's the thing. And yeah, right. So it means that actually there's no avoiding the getting on the mat every day and doing it. Yeah. And I think actually now that's where a lot of people do have a real difficulty, isn't it? Yeah. I I think that discipline is an area of the world that has somehow it's got a bad name. Yeah. So, you know, different personality types and Mm. um, are going to 
love discipline, like A type people mm-hmm. are like, okay, I got discipline. And if you give me <laughs> right. A and B and C, I'm going to do it every day. And then there's some people right. that are like, hell no, I am one mm-hmm. of the laziest people to motivate me. <laughs> no way. Or some people are so unstable in their life where it's just not mm-hmm. possible. So I always, you know, I remember years ago, years ago when we started practicing mm-hmm. together, I would do two and a half, three hours. When I had my first baby, I was, I look back and I don't know how I did it. I was young that I would <laughs> breastfeed, go off and do an Ashtanga practice, come back, breastfeed, fall asleep. And oh I'd goodness. go out and see three clients and I come back, breastfeed. You know, it was just insane wow. how I would, wow. but I realized as I aged this hmm. high expectation of myself. So as yeah. long as I could just put 20 minutes you know, yeah. it was like, and now my practice sometimes is roll around on the floor yoga, I call it. Yay, me too. <laughs> yeah. And I think that is the better practice because in my life, there is so much, you know, activity. I live in London. Yeah. I have two kids. I have a dog. I have a husband. Yeah. And I teach, you know, 12 yeah. classes a week. And I see five to seven private clients a day. I'm like, to then put myself through a very strong practice as well as I love spinning. I love cycling. I I do go to the gym and lift weights because I'm getting older and I need to do that. So I I have loads of things, but I also need to connect to my body in a yogic way, which is nurturing, which is joyous, which is Mm -hmm. friendly and which is non-judgmental. And so if I can carve out that time for my practice and connect to what matters to me most, what brings me joy, then I'm able to then do all the other little things, but to put this massive pressure on myself that I need to do Surinamskar A and Surinamskar B and do the first, you know, series and second series. And mm-hmm. it was just too much for me. And I know yeah. some people need to move like that because they have an abundant amount of energy. I don't, mm-hmm. I know my limitations and I'm not going to mm-hmm. give myself a hard time anymore for not having the practice I did when I was in my twenties. I'm 41. I love being 41. I love my gray hair. I love, you know, learning more about my body and deeper acceptance of who and what I am right now. Mm. And, you know, there's a time and place for really fun, playful, exciting, powerful practices. Mm -hmm. And I do them but I also mainly do a practice that is more nurturing for my body. And I do a lot of standing poses, long holds mm. like you, a lot of roll mm. around on the floor practices, mm. a lot of pranayama, and always in that unfolding towards meditation practice. Mm. Mm. Interesting. And, the, and and there's a lot of information there. It's interesting that you're doing a lot of the weights. I kind of thought that that was, you know, just to sort of know that that's something that your body is needing right now. Mm. A lot of yoga is an incomplete practice. So it's mm-hmm. um, not really good for heart strengthening. It's not a cardio, even mm-hmm. if you can do 108 sun salutations, because of the way that yogic breath is, it slows down mm-hmm. your sympathetic response. So mm-hmm. it slows down your heart rate. So we need to get our heart rate up to have a strong heart. And what yeah. long-term exposure to long pranayama, um, kumbhaka holding and practices, yoga practices, it actually slows down your heart rate. And I know quite a a lot of senior teachers who've actually had to get defibrillators because they've weakened their heart. Um, so a lot of now, mm, yeah, it's, it's my word again, uh, read that book, science of yoga by William Mm. Brown. Um, 
I'm going to put that in the show notes for people. Yeah, so yeah, it's it's, it. it's 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 uh, even though he wrote it quite a few years ago, and I'm sure more and more people are starting to collect data. Um, it's there's a lot of myths. Like yoga actually slows down your metabolism, it makes you tone, it mm-hmm. makes you um, strong and supple. But mm-hmm. because of the way we affect the nervous system, we mm-hmm. slow it down. That will yeah. slow down your metabolism. And, mm-hmm. and so it's, it's great for well being. It's great for your mood. It's great for mm-hmm. mental health. It's great for staying mobile and healthy yeah. range of motion. There's so yeah. many benefits to it, but yeah, but it's uh, not a complete and it's workout. A lot, it's a lot of pushing, not a lot yeah. of pulling. And yeah, no all, pulling. Yeah, so we need to exercise those pulling. So I do a lot of rowing. I do a mm. lot of bicep stuff, pec stuff mm. that brings my arms to me. So like a lot of TRX mm. stuff, and I just do the things that yoga can't provide. And that that and I realize as well as you know I am hypermobile and I need more mm. strength building, especially strength. as I'm. And yeah. then it's great for women as they get older because mm-hmm. not a lot of us stand on our hands. So that sense of doing planks and having downward mm-hmm. dogs builds up the bone density in the bones. Mm-hmm. But um, we also need to actually tax our muscles in the different way that yoga um, provides. So it's, it, you know, and core and doing like, I just recently did another video with you with um, a hip strengthening, pelvis strengthening, core strengthening. And yes. people were like, that was more like a Pilates session and i'm like well you can you can take yoga into a pilates class you can take yoga into a spin class you can take yoga to the gym this sense of that yoga is the artistic expression but it's a science of disciplining your body mind and breath that there's a relationship while you're doing it you're in your body while you're Mm -hmm. doing it you're acknowledging the energetics the sensations the feelings the thoughts that you're wakeful as you breathe and move even if you're huffing and puffing because you're on this spin and you're doing three minutes of the craziest cardio and you're just like i'm gonna die that that (laughs) sense of like i'm aware that i'm saying this to myself so you can bring yoga on and off your mat so i think it's beneficial i think it's very beneficial um to bring yoga into everything but it is yoga-based fitness. It's not yoga. Right. So going to the yeah, gym, right. it's not yoga. You know, doing Pilates is not yoga, but it's mm. yoga-based fitness where you bring the yogic mindset into a fitness. And a majority of modern yoga is mm. yoga-based fit- fitness. All this kind of power, you know, contortion, mm-hmm. gymnastic stuff that we're seeing in, in the evolution of things is yoga-based fitness. And that's great. It's great, but mm-hmm. what we, as we age, we start to gain more insight to create sustainable practices, and it is kind of more like what yoga was meant to be in the Hatha Yoga Padapika is, you know, but not to say all those poses and instructions are modernly correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, that's be a controversial. thing, isn't it? Yeah, well, it, but it's true because, you know, we now know a lot more and science knows a lot more about what they were asking you to your, do to your body then. We're like, okay, so a bit like that, but now a bit different as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and maybe that's just the good thing about sort of being in the modern world is that we can sort of take ancient practices, but also add a little bit of our little 
spin, our pinch of yeah. salt, the things that we know that we need, because also our bodies are very different. You know, yeah. people weren't staring at computers all their lives, yeah. for example. We have a flexion <laughs> addiction where we're always sit- seated, whether it's in a chair, right. whether it's sleeping, whether it's mm. sitting at dinner, whether, you know, you're lying in bed propped up on a pillow looking at your mm. laptop. It's, mm-hmm. we're always in a flexion. So it's better right. to actually start to balance out that, that we're not sitting cross-legged. We're not really hunching over working in the farmland. So it's a different experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And it's Evolution. kind of finding those practices to suit, to suit our lives now. Yeah. And, and again, that's, I, I think that's what your practices do in a beautiful way because you do sort of find a way of weaving in these incredibly ancient philosophical it's in peace and you think how on earth could humans 2000 years ago be similar to us but no i think they had exactly the same sort of worries and sufferings and silly mental derailments that we, we haven't evolved have. really as a human race <laughs> right, <basically. laughs> still going Just, through the same <laughs> yeah it's like seriously we're here again we're doing this again are we Oh my god! Yeah, that's right. We're, we're on the same little sunscreen. But that's the thing is, is, is that that's why yoga is not a religion. It's a personal spiritual right. experience that you can celebrate whatever you believe. Um, but it's 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 a the experience of that spiritual awakening is personal to you, and so it's just a, a it's facilitating you and celebrating whatever you're you're doing, you're taking individual responsibility and accountability for your life, but it's not subjecting that everybody has to do this. It's yeah, like, right. like we were saying, this is that yoga gets you, you can't get yoga. Tons of people are flooding to yoga, but there's a huge percentage who are not going to come back because it's not for them. And it's okay. You know, running might be walking, horseback riding, you know, cycling, oh, yeah. you know, whatever you love doing, it might, take off the edge and give you greater insight but there's something in yoga that that's why i like to go deeper into the philosophical and psychological maps because it means more than just throwing shapes around with your body it kind of goes into giving me more insight into the path inwards to find what i've always been um and awaken to that and celebrating this inhabitants, this body and the consciousness embodied rather than thinking, um, you know, going blind faith and following someone else. It's a personal experience. Teacher can facilitate you having the sequence and, and here's the map, but you can only actually investigate and explore the terrain. I can give you the maps 30 days. Here's different maps, but you have to go into actively exploring it in yourself and take accountability and responsibility for what you find and celebrate in that. Mm. And that's so beautiful. And I know that um, yoga, for example, has really helped you with dealing with grief and dealing with moving through different stages of your life. And it can help with things that occur when people are going through these things. Do you, uh, are you able to sort of briefly touch on what is it that really helped you as you were experiencing? Well, so what you're pointing towards is um, about eight years ago, I lost my late husband to cancer 
And before that, he had unfortunately relapsed on drugs and alcohol. Um, so I'm very lucky to be a very um, active member in Al-Anon, and I'm an Alateen sponsor. This is for friends and families of addicts and alcoholics, and it's a 12-step support group. And at the same time I found yoga, I found Al-Anon, and it kind of helped me. So I was with my husband for about 12 years. We had two kids, and he was clean when I met him, and we never thought he would ever relapse, and he relapsed, and it was very terrible, and he got clean. But a week later, he found out that he had terminal cancer. So at the same time, I had the support of a fellowship that I could rely on. I also lent into the support my yoga practice gave me, but I found that I found it really difficult to do it myself because Mm -hmm. I was imploding. So I started going to classes and have someone else lead me into the experience. I needed to hand myself over. I also needed to be amongst the living. So having someone in front of me teaching me so I can experience, but it was really hard because everybody knows me in my community. And so me breaking down and crying, I sometimes didn't feel that it was appropriate. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they, it, it, sometimes it's really hard seeing your teacher not being able to manage life as well mm-hmm. as, as, as you thought they could. And so mm-hmm. my students had to watch me, you know, fall apart and continue to teach and continue to. Oh, the thing as a teacher, because as a teacher, you want to be able to be the person who's always on form, who's always yeah. on it. But I think and that's where, but that's hard. where I think exposing my humanity, exposing mm. my vulnerability. Actually, um, I, I didn't feel at that time it was appropriate, but I think what it did was touch people, even though they didn't have my story, mm-hmm. they knew what it felt like with grief. They knew what it felt like when experiencing loss and experience anger and experience sadness and experiencing mm. fear and to mm-hmm. see me go through it and then teach through it. You know, um, I think it, it empowered people to face their fears. It was like, if she Mm. can do it, I can do it. And I did that with my friends. I'm like, if she can do it, I can do it. Cause I have quite a few really lovely friends who are yoga teachers who've gone through a lot. And I'm Mm. like, okay, if they can do it, I can do it. So I started, I had videos of my teacher. So times when I found really difficult, I would put their practice on, I would do it at home and I would cathartically sob. I would be able to, um, process what I needed to process. So, uh, going to classes, doing it at home, going to the gym and doing it and being that weird person, because just being amongst the living in that way and seeing how these tools help, um, support me as I was, facing some of the hardest things that any human has to do. Um, and it supported me afterwards because once I had some distance and my grief was less sharp and prickly, became more warm and fuzzy, I was able to then take my story and turn it around to offer, um, uh, support to Mm -hmm. others who are facing this. Um, mm. and the 30 day transformation touches on some of the techniques that I, mm. I use to support, um, people who are dealing with change, are dealing with, um, age, are dealing with illness and are dealing with death. And those are the kind of predictable ways in which we are going to suffer. 
because mm -hmm. we are in this human experience and that's, mm -hmm. that's coming from the teaching. Oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn it. And it's really hard as well because we kind of think, you know, by doing a yoga practice, by eating really well, by, you know, having a more sustainable, eco-friendly life and ticking all the boxes mm -hmm. that we're going to climax, we're going to stay at this plateau and then we're going to stay. And I've had clients mm -hmm. who've said that to me. They're like, I've eaten well, I've done yoga my whole life. I've done all this and I still got cancer, still got mm -hmm. arthritis. Yeah. And yoga doesn't prevent life from happening, but it gives you the tools to be able to manage the unmanageable, connected to yeah. connected to that sense of spirited person that mm. you are in this human experience and knowing how to use these tools to be able to cathartically process when life all of a sudden hits a, you know, um, yeah, it's just, I it, love that. I love that yoga doesn't stop life happening, but it just gives us the tools to deal with it when it does. Yeah. Because that is the thing. That really is. I mean, that's the truth. We are going to get sick. Yeah. People we know are going to die and disappear. And People's financial um, stability is going to become unstable. Culture and politics mm -hmm. are going to change. Climate change and weather patterns. Yeah. You know, this whole change of, of life it's going and to actually navigating this change is i think possibly the most important thing that especially i mean obviously humans have always been through change and it's always part of what we've done through millennia but this is a big change i think that humanity is going through so having these tools mm. it's really wonderful that you've um you've shared them with us uh, and that Aww. you're continuing and that you are able to share your journey, as you say, to be able to inspire other people that, you know, tough times hit. Yeah. And that's life. Yeah. But what can be consistent is your personal self practice. Because I do know as a mother, if I'm not okay, the family's not okay. And I remember crying one time in a heat, feeling very self-piteous and sorry for myself. My kids are just at it arguing. I'm like, can't you guys be okay so I can be okay? And I just heard the words come out of my mouth. And I was like, Zephyr, be the adult. That's not how it works. You need to be okay so they can be okay. And it's a lot like that. It's like the oxygen mask. You know, mm -hmm. it's a practice within. You take care of yourself on your mat. You connect to what matters to you most, what you care about, your intention. And then from that, then you go out and be of service to other people in your life. And you give to yourself because I know giving from an empty cup, I can't mm -hmm. offer the kind of uh, no. the magic. So I need to make sure I. I offer it to myself so I can offer it to other people. That's beautiful. And thank you. And I'm so glad that you do. Um, Zeph, is there anywhere that people can, how can people find you, follow you, see you in person? Um, <laughs> my website is zephyryoga.com. And mm -hmm. I obviously I'm on movement for modern life. <laughs> I'm, and I'm very glad you are. <laughs> I teach in London at the Life Center in Notting Hill and at Tri Yoga in Ealing. So those are my public classes. And right. I'm on Instagram 
uh, Zephyr Wildman and on Facebook. And um, I'm very... And you do some pretty amazing retreats as well, don't you? Yes, I do. Oh, my gosh, yeah. <laughs> I'm always feeling such jealousy when I see your retreat pictures. It looks like you attract the wildest, most fun people as well. Oh, God, I am so lucky. I, I've been so lucky with the students who come, the people who come, the amazing humans who come. We have such a good time, and we yeah. also go really deep. Um, mm-hmm. And one time I was at a retreat in Italy, and the person who was running it was like, do you guys do laughing yoga? Cause you guys are all laughing. I'm like, it's oh, only because laughing. in the studio I had every mm-hmm. person who came on that retreat was dealing with grief and it was just a weird coincidence. So we were all crying, going deep, supporting each other. And then out in the communal areas, we were laughing and oh, giggling. We had so much, and all these people keep filtering through all the other retreats, but I do, um, a lot of retreats in Morocco in this really beautiful place. I do, um, yoga hiking retreats there and cycling retreats. And then I do, um, skiing, hiking retreats in Switzerland. And then a a nice kind of Greece retreat in, in the sea and, um, a nice one in Cornwall, coastal walking in Cornwall at Tresanton. And so there's loads of places, but I choose places that have really nice accommodation that you feel nurtured by really good food that's really important because I'm such a foodie I'm I'm someone that eats (laughs) I I, I'm like I love my food I love Mm. that's becomes a yogic experience I hate cooking (laughs) I am so fortunate because my husband he loves cooking so not only of kind of like as we were saying of like yoga supports you when you grieve and life changes yoga also supports you and really heightens when you fall back in love and i'm so lucky because my husband he loves to cook and i love to eat (laughs) anyway the yoga (laughs) retreats are more about good like holistic areas where they're there i choose places where it's just beautiful really nurturing and um, really fun and playful so i hope more people get the opportunity to come on retreat yeah, I think, I think that as a practice, because I don't, um, you know, I don't get a chance to go to, um, classes very much. I live remotely and my life is pretty remote, but I practice every day online, but I also retreat. And I think that if there's one thing that people should do twice a year, every year, it's mm-hmm. retreat. Yeah. Find your teacher and retreat because you just go to places, as you say, you get something so much deeper and with that communal feeling. Yeah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. And, and also you share adventures and you're with more like-minded yes. people who yeah. are exploring themselves. So the conversations yeah. on the hikes, the conversations between classes, you know, it, it, it becomes like, I have, I have two students who practice yoga twice a year only on retreat with me. <laughs> it's the funniest thing. They're like, you know, you know, the, oh, it's time for my yoga class a year later. So like, it's, it's brilliant, but they do other things that support them and they're amazing. But I'm, uh, I would really recommend exploring and make sure that you go on a retreat that you really resonate with the teacher because yeah. they're the kingpin. It's like the mummy in the family. If they're not okay, yeah. no one's okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, um, I, yeah, I feel very lucky that I've been able to attract a really yeah. amazing crowd and vice yeah, versa. Did. 
I yeah, hope no, they like you. You're people are good people. I do recommend. I absolutely recommend that. Well, Zeph, thank you so, so much for everything that you have given to me and to us all and to the community. I hope that people have enjoyed this and I hope that folks will try the transformation challenge. But most of all, that they'll just experience Zeph and you get, you get a wonderful experience of what yoga philosophy intertwined within um, the practices. And yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for opening this opportunity for me to explain a little bit deeper about that practice and series. Well, thank you so much. Much love to you. Much love. I really hope you enjoyed that. I really found that such an interesting and moving conversation. It's amazing to hear what Zeph has been through and how grief for her has been this journey that has enabled her to soften and see how yoga can be lived on and off the mat that really is so beautiful and I know I know that her teachings really do speak to so many people I hope that you are going to be able to check out her classes if you go to movementformodernlife.com and you go to teachers you'll see her there Zephyr Wildman and all her classes are there and she's got a massive variety of classes and you know some yoga nidra some meditation classes and she's as I say she's really known for her quite feisty vinyasa classes but there's also a super super gorgeous Sunday chill class which um, as one of our movers said is not just for Sundays it's too good just for Sundays but the thing which um, you know she's really great at is this transformation work and the 30-day transformation challenge really is a beautiful deep challenge and if you go to the challenges section so movementformodernlife.com go to challenges you'll see the challenges right there do sign yourself up Um, obviously you get a free 14-day trial if you do um, and I hope to see you there but also if you sign up for our newsletter then you'll be able to see the courses the stuff that we're doing you'll get my thoughts on living yoga on and off the mat and just the insights from me and the teachers on living a healthy happy and more sustainable life i do hope you've enjoyed this your support really is so important without which we wouldn't be here so thank you very very much for enabling us to continue our work please do go ahead and subscribe to this podcast and then you won't miss an episode we've got some really wonderful teachers and other champions of change who i'm interviewing uh, this season so please do subscribe and if you enjoy the podcast do give us a lovely a lovely review on iTunes and I'm not telling you how many stars to give us but five stars is the best so thank you very 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 much for all of your time Um, please go to movementformodernlife.com to find out more about what we're doing until next time cheerio